a beautiful day today and a glorious week. And to Jesus be all the glory. Thank you today for joining me. Thank you for being my wonderful family, my partners, God's beloved, wonderful people. Today, I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about sex. It's not something we always talk about, but I feel the time has come for me to talk about what the Bible says about it, not what people say about it. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray today, Lord, you will use your word to bless your people, strengthen your people, Lord, cause them to walk with you in holiness and in your wonderful fear. We give you all the glory. And God's people said, Amen, Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. I want to begin with reading verse 19. We're going to go right through verse 25. And I'm going to take my time today to explain slowly what the Bible really says about the subject. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. Now, let's begin with that. A helper comparable to him. A helper comparable to him. That's a very key word here. A lot of people fail today in marriage because they don't understand what this means. A helper comparable to him means one spirit. We'll talk about that later. And it says, but for Adam there was not found a help meet for him, a helper comparable to him, someone who fits with him just perfectly. And the Lord God caused, and the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. I'll go back to explain that verse. It's very, very important. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now that word woman means isha in Hebrew. That also has a, a tremendous meaning, which I'll go through in just a second. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, or shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed, meaning the glory of God covered them. Now, Let's go back and explain something that's, I think, still misunderstood today. A help meet for him. Marriage is for dominion. Now, when the Lord sends someone to you, whether man or woman, when he sends you to each other, he will choose that one rather than you choosing that one. So whom the Lord joins together, now, whom the Lord joins together speaks of a spiritual union also. 
not just something physical. A lot of people marry without having that oneness in the spirit with their wife or their husband, and that's why they have problems. And then it says something very powerful. It says in verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. Notice that the Lord did not breathe a second time. It says he breathed upon the man. He breathed upon the man before he, he, he ever made or asa or built. That's what the word asa means in this portion. Made to build a woman and brought her unto the man. How amazing that the Lord breathed only once. He didn't breathe a second time. So she was already a part of him in every way. And that's why she was called Isha. He was Ish, Isha, same word, basically same spirit, but now male and female. Now, that has, there's a lot of depth there I really should not get into at this point. But I do want to say this, I think it's important. The Lord gave the man the position. He gave the woman the influence. And the reason God gave women influence is to influence their husband to serve the Lord, to fulfill the call of God. So we have to understand the power of influence here for a minute. God gave Adam the word. He did not give it properly to his wife. The enemy knew it. He tempted her. She did not know the word fully because she said, the Lord said, we may die. God said, you will die. So there it shows us that she was not given the word properly. That's why God blamed Adam, not Eve, for the fall. Why? Because the man did not do his job. The man is the priest of the home. He's the prophet of their home. He's prophet and priest of their house. So Adam failed, according to the Bible. So one of these days I think I'm going to talk about the importance of a husband in those positions and what it means to be a prophet to the family, a priest to the family. Today I'm, I'm really dealing more with what does the Bible say about sex because it's been so talked about in an unbiblical way. But let's go to Hebrews, and I'm going to talk about this again tomorrow, so be with me tomorrow. Uh, because I'm going to say some things that are going to be, you know, things that maybe you don't hear a whole lot about today. It says, marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So we know from the Bible that uh, sex within marriage is holy. It says marriage is honorable, Hebrews 13, 4, in all, and the bed undefiled. So sex within marriage is allowed, it's honorable, it's holy, 
Um, and, and it's amazing that God uses that in Scripture to illustrate his union with his people. So sex is for marriage and marriage alone. I know we don't hear that today. In some cases, it's very, uh, how shall I say, it causes people to get upset. But I have to preach the word. I have to speak the word. I'm not here to please people. So sex, according to the Bible, is for marriage and marriage alone. And the Bible never weakens on this truth. The Bible doesn't change when it comes to the truth of God's word. So here's what God says. Let's begin with adultery. What is adultery? Well, adultery means a married person going to bed with someone by the opposite sex to whom he or she is not married. Adultery is when someone who is married has sex with someone else that they're not married to. So whether they're single or married, if a married man or a married woman has an affair, a sexual affair, with someone who is single or married, that's called adultery. And, and the Lord knows that this would be a threat to marriage and to the family. So he included it in the Ten Commandments. Now, think about the importance. Let's go to Exodus. And I know some people aren't very happy right now I'm talking about this, but you know, sweet people, I'm a, I'm a teacher of the Bible. I've, I'm a... I'm a Jesus man, I've always been, always will be. I will speak what the Bible says. Quite simple. Exodus 20, verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, if you look at the Ten Commandments, and I'd like to discuss them for just a moment, okay? The first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Most important. Second, you'll not make unto thee any graven image. Thirdly, you'll not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Fourthly, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. And then, honor your father and your mother. That's commandment number five. Thou shalt not kill. Number six. What is number seven? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. Number ten, thou shalt not covet. So here we have them. And God has put such importance on this command. It's number seven on the list. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now under the law, of Moses, let's go to John, the Gospel of John, let's look at chapter 8, and let's look at verse 4 and 5. 
And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And they came to tempt him, of course. This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now that doesn't mean he, he dismissed the law. No, never. So when they continued asking him the same question, he lifted up himself and said to them, he that is without sin among you. So he did clearly say that that was a sin. But he said to them, he said, you who are without sin, let him first cast the stone at her. So people may say, well, the Lord dismissed the law in this. No, he did not. By his answer, we know he did not. What he said is, he that is without sin, so if you're so self-righteous, okay, she did commit the sin of adultery, but if you're so holy, you pick up that rock and throw it. And they all walked away. So it's very, very clear holiness without which no man will see the Lord. That's the word of God. We ought to live holy. And I believe with all of my heart that when God brings two people together and when he is really in it, he will cause them to walk in covenant. And when people walk in that covenant, they will walk in obedience to the Lord. I've been married to Suzanne since 1979. And I can tell you we've had a blessed relationship and a holy one. She and myself never had any relationship with anyone else prior to marriage during marriage, never. But I can tell you this, uh, our, our oneness back in 1979, we were married in August, our spiritual oneness never broke, never broke. We went through a difficult time in 2010, 11, and 12. The Lord reunited us because of that oneness, because of that oneness in the spirit. So, you know, uh, I saw my mom and my dad were not even believers when they were married. Their marriage was prearranged, but I saw the beauty of that oneness and then they both got saved together in a beautiful way. I mean, both the same night the same day were saved. They came to my service in, in Canada after I began preaching and they were waiting for me at the house when I came. Prior to that was a difficult time for us. They did not understand how I could leave the Greek Orthodox Church and I was born again. They didn't understand that fully. But the night they got gloriously born again, 
I walked in at 2 a.m. I was preaching at that church on Lakeshore in Canada, there in Toronto. They were, they were waiting for me. I purposely stayed late because I wasn't sure what kind of a response I would get because my father had told me prior, if I would ever preach, they would disown me. So it's a long story. A lot of it is in Good Morning Holy Spirit. If you've not read the book, you'll, you, you'd really be blessed by that book. And I share that in it. <clears throat> but the transformation in my parents was glorious because God brought them together, even when they were young. And there's a lot of people like that, that got saved together like that. So let's, let's deal now with something else. Okay. Let's deal with what does the Bible say about fornication? Okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to deal with this a little more, so we'll continue a little more tomorrow. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 18. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How amazing that Paul would say, flee fornication. Wow. And then he says, every sin that a man doeth is without the body. And that word without means outside the body. But he that commits fornication is sinning against his own body, meaning in time that body will be harmed. Because you see what happens is uh, bondage sets in. A stronghold is now there that becomes such a bondage that only the Lord can set them free from that. So it's really important to understand that fornication is not only against the law of God, it's also against the human body. You wonder why so many people today that uh, sleep with someone before marriage, they carry the bondage with them for years. And only the Lord can set them free from that because it opens a door to the enemy and a stronghold. The Bible also says, and let's look please now at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 7 and we're going to look at verse 2. And I'll say more about that because there's a lot here that I want to talk about. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. There's so much about the Bible, uh, so much in the Bible about this. Um, let's, let's look at Ephesians 5. And let's look at verse 3. The Bible says, but fornication and all uncleanness, 
or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. So the moment someone gives his heart to the Lord, her heart to the Lord, that is the time to walk away from such practice, such sin, fornication, and all uncleanness, or covetousness, or greed. Let it not be once named, not even one time named among you as you become saints. Now, with this, um, I'm going to just say a few things here. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world. So don't let the world around you uh, squeeze you into its own mold. We, we have to draw on God's grace. We have to stand up to our convictions as believers. The moment somebody is saved, God sets us free from the penalty of sin, which is past tense. Now we begin to live the Christian life, and progressively, it's a process where we become free from the power of sin. So now God sets us free from the past when we're born again. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to live holy an hour later. Because we begin to be changed day by day from glory to glory. And the Lord helps us, giving us the strength to live the Christian life. We begin like, uh, you know, children. We don't have the strength yet to be men we begin slow, we begin small, we begin weak in the faith. But we have to make a decision at that time of salvation. Are we going to go the way of the world or the way of the Lord? I got saved in Canada February 14, 1972. A few days later, uh, friends from church the church I began attending, invited me to some meeting they had in some uh, apartment. I'm thinking this is going to be a Christian meeting. So out of hunger for fellowship, I went. And things began to happen in that apartment that were not holy, were not wholesome. I walked out. I was totally disturbed and very troubled. I remember walking on Don Mills Avenue back home. I looked up, I said, Dear Jesus, I don't want this. I want you. And I felt a blanket of love surround me. I'll never forget that night. It was a decision I made. Now, before I was saved, I was afraid of my father. So I didn't do anything, Not nothing. I never drank, I never smoked, I never uh, did anything uh, unholy or unclean because I was afraid of my father. I did not know the Lord then, 
now I got saved, and I, and I learned the fear of the Lord so quickly after salvation, especially that night, I could feel the evil in that apartment. Now here I'm thinking, you know, these are born again Christians. I had just been saved only a few days, but the devil wanted to get me, you know, wanted to bring me down. And he used so-called Christians, but I saw the danger. I think growing up the way we, we, we grew up in our home really, really helped me. And the Lord, thank God, that night uh, not only blessed me, but also showed me the danger. And I'm going to tell you something. That decision, that beautiful night, uh, was a beautiful beginning for my life with, with the Lord. And then later, I grew so rapidly. and So I became so strong in the Lord. That's been over 50 years ago now. So I speak from experience. We need to make a decision for holiness, all of us, continually. And I think that's what begins our growth in the Lord. That's what begins our strength in the Lord. And I'm talking to people right now that have struggled in that area. Look, God Almighty will forgive you because he does forgive. He does restore his own. He's a precious Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a beautiful verse that will really, really bless you from Micah. And then I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to continue tomorrow because there's so much more I want to talk about with this. And I want to talk about flirting and courtship and marriage and things like that tomorrow that I think would really be a blessing. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Micah 7, 8. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. And I believe there's a lot of people today that had weakened in that area, but the Lord will restore you if you ask him to. And he'll, he'll forgive you because he is a blessed redeemer, one who forgives us continually. But then we make a decision. So what did, what did he say to that woman? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. He gave her the choice now to stay free who came to him. Remember when they brought her, that woman, caught in adultery, they say. The one who was without sin, throw that rock, they all walked away. And then he said the most beautiful words, neither do I condemn thee, he forgave her. Then go and sin no more. You, you have a choice. And I'm talking to people today that need to hear this because when we confess our sins, no matter how many? He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All manner of sin is forgiven. But now we make a decision to live holy. And once we make that decision, God will give us the strength to carry it through. That night when I made that decision after being saved, I will live holy. I don't want this, Lord. I want you. God gave me the strength to carry on. And now I, I look back over 50 years. And I'm so glad I made that decision for the Lord years ago. Not only to accept him as Savior, but to accept his word as truth. To obey his word. Even though I didn't have the strength to do it at that time. He gave me that strength. 
and then do the same with you. Please be with me tomorrow. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. Lord, bless them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Bless them, Lord, with a blessed life, a holy life, a beautiful life, a fruitful life, a victorious life. In your blessed, holy name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, be with me tomorrow. Share this with others. Now it's time to give to the Lord's work. And I tell you, it's more important for us to give today than it ever was before. Because troubles that are coming on earth, they're talking about starvation next year because of the lack of fuel and so forth, because of what's going on in the world. People are afraid of starving now in many parts of the world. They're afraid in Europe of, of not having enough gas and fuel to stay warm. But I have not seen the righteous forsaken or received begging for bread. When we obey the Lord, He will bless us. He will protect us. And I think it's time to obey Ecclesiastes 11 verse 2. Increase your seed at this time of need. Increase your seed so you'll be protected from the evil that's coming down the road. It says, sow a portion of seven, also of eight, for thou knowest not what evil will come. So there's protection financially for you when you give and increase the amount you sow. So if you've been accustomed to sowing $20, go 40. If you've been accustomed to sowing 50, go 100. Increase your seed so God can protect you. You can do it now on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benihin.org, or you can simply text BHM 45777. Much love. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.